In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm a girl with mysterious powers. I'm Evan. I am Elsa from Frozen, trapped in a vinyl record. I'm Ronnie. If you're going to tell from that introduction, (laughs) Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows that have only lasted for a single season. We are currently covering the first three episodes of NBC's Constantine. But before we get into that, I have a question for everyone assembled. I mean, I'm here. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we are indeed assembled. If you could have only one spell from anything, you know, Harry Potter, Constantine, the Dresden Files, whatever, just one spell, what would it be and why? Mm, Polymorph, probably. Uh, Polymorph from from which? Oh, not a specific, not like the D&D polymorph, but like... Being able to change shape, like being able to change your appearance. It's pretty handy. Yeah. yeah. Um, like like how Taco does it, to just make yourself like 20% hotter. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully it'd be a little bit more useful than that one specific application. That's real useful. Well, yeah, I mean, that is great for like negotiating and, um, you know, getting free rides and free drinks and stuff. But... Um, you know, of course, it's hard to say when you're, like, taking into account every set of magical rules, because some of them have a lot more limitations than others. So, if it's any magic thing, it could be, like, polymorph with no consequences, and you can be any shape and any size and anything like that. I mean, that's the most ideal situation. But, personally, I prefer world-building where magic has consequences and is difficult. So um, maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot by picking a a difficult, complicated spell. I guess we'll find out one day. Uh, what you got, Ronnie? Probably Akio, because I'm, I'm as lazy as I'll get out. I would, I would Akio everything all over the place. Akio remote, Akio phone, Akio lunch. Like, I was definitely on the transfiguration bandwagon for a little bit there. Evan, you kind of took that from me. But as more I thought about it, I was like, man, I would probably just transfigure myself into a cat and just and just sleep because I'm I'm a tired. I'm a tired boy. (laughs) And I would say, Akio, eye mask so that I could sleep soundly all night long. What are the limitations of the Akio spell? Uh, like if you like if you said like the example you gave, mm-hmm. Akio lunch. Would someone would the nearest human person's food that they had intended to eat for lunch come to you? Is it like intention? I believe. Is it the cat's it, lunch? Like, I think it's your intention. Because yeah, it has to be intentional. Harry does Akio firebolt. It summons his specific broom. It doesn't, like, just summon every person's broom who happens to own that brand. Right. What's the range on that, also? I think force of will. (laughs) Harry has been underutilizing that spell spell because, you know, theoretically, if he was strong enough, he could have just been like, 
Akio all of Voldemort's Horcruxes. Or even yeah. if he did them one at a time, just Akio Horcrux, like nearest yeah. one, boom. There's probably some hand wavy explanation for why that wouldn't work. Voldemort yeah. used to count a spell of the Akio <laughs> and all of the layers of the Horcruxes. The Antio. <laughs> There are a lot of rules built into the magic in J.K. Rowling's world that are, granted, m- far flimsier than every other, like, magical media otherwise. Mm-hmm. But it is very, like, mentally based, very, you know, channeling your thoughts, channeling your emotions. You see a lot of that in the Patronuses. Um, I feel like you would have had to have, like, some kind of a personal connection with an object that you are Akioing. Um, like the firebolt, like a kitchen utensil in the Weasley's kitchen, stuff like that. I'm the sort of person who would try to, to rules lawyer the magic, like in that universe, as I'm doing it, I'd be yelling at this guy like, no, I know where it is. Come on now. It should work. Andy, what's your, uh, what's your spell of choice? So my spell of choice is uh, it is a first level conjuration spell available to bards, warlocks, and wizards from Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Okay. Very Um, granular here. It is Unseen Servant, and its uh, casting components are a piece of string and a bit of wood, which I have plenty of uh, that shit on hand to, to cast this with. And uh, I have uh, the D&D 5e spell app on my phone, so I'm just going to read from that. Sure. This spell creates an invisible, mindless, shapeless force that performs simple tasks at your command until the spell ends. The servant springs into existence in an unoccupied space on the ground within range. Uh, It goes into its stats. I can skip that. But uh, on each of my turns as a bonus action, I can command the servant to do a task uh, and move it up to 15 feet. You want a magic um, butler is what you want. Yes, it's a magic yeah. butler. I would probably name him uh, Jives. Jives? Or Jeeves. I'm not sure. <laughs> I like I Jives. I have decided yet. <laughs> I like Jives. And um, he would do shit for me. Uh, I did the, the, some rough math here. Uh, mm-hmm. I can move him to pretty much anywhere in my house from my bed or from the <laughs> sofa, no matter where I am. And... Um, yeah, it lasts for an hour, so cool. Get you the can lo- only use it once a day, right? No, I, you, I can't keep casting it. Oh. Yeah. How many spell slots you got? How, how many? Well, I'm uh, <laughs> I have a very high charisma score, and uh, I'm definitely a warlock, uh, so probably not a ton of spell slots as a warlock, but even two hours a day. Also, warlocks get their spell slots on a short rest, so I would just have to rest for a half hour. You could be continuously resting yeah, and just making I, him do stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I would work him to death and then bring him back. I don't think it can die. It's yeah. not real. No, it's he's an invisible boy. It's a construct. Yeah. Um, My spell is um, like he, yeah. what you what people wanted like robots to do for them in like the 1950s. And your spell is like what people want robots to do for them in like 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, get the litter boxes, and then when you're done that, uh, go over to the dishes, and then when you're done that, uh, hit up my bathroom, and then when you're done that, give me a mani-pedi, and, uh... I think a mani-pedi is a complex task. I don't think that qualifies. Um... You might have to go, give me a mani, short rest, give me a pedi. 
The servant can perform simple tasks that a human servant could do, such as fetching things, cleaning, mending, folding clothes, lighting fire, serving food, and pouring wine. Once you give the command, the servant performs the task to the best of its ability until it completes the task, then waits for your next command. If it can mend clothes, I feel like it could do a mani-pedi. You have to be a technician for that, though. Like, they, they, you know, there's training involved. Yeah, but, like, I can't fucking sew. I love that it performs it to the best of its ability. Like, it's going to come back <laughs> and be to bring you a sandwich and be like, I tried. And it's just like two frozen hash browns with ham in between. It. And it's like, oh, <laughs> celestial I, I being. Love, I love this good boy. This celestial being doesn't know how food do. He tried his best. Tried his best. Um, he's he's going to get it. He's going to get it one of these days. I love that Evan went for kind of a vain thing, and Ronnie and I went for, like, the supreme laziness yes. of things. Well, Evan's creating, like, if, if there's a world of magic, Evan's like, oh, well, I want to, like, create a world of magic. And we're just like, how can I make my current life easier and nobody else's <laughs> and have it affect no one else but me? I was uh, considering... Agonazar's Scorcher, just because I love the name, but there's no practical application to it. Is it just a fireball? Um, it's like a fire, like, shotgun that shoots napalm. It's it's just all of the fire, just mm. all of it. But I love Agonazar. What a great wizard name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He named yeah. his spell after himself, too, which I always respect. Mm-hmm. I thought about incendio for a second, but it's like I can I, I have a stick lighter. Yeah, I, I yeah. Can, we basically have that. the ability to create fireballs yeah. now. Like that's just science has given us that. Um uh, let we should talk about this show. Do we want to talk what? about this let's, warlock? Yeah, let's talk about this warlock. Let's talk about I I was he 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 calls himself a warlock a couple of times. I wasn't sure if that's what he is. I'd like to know. Is, I was gonna say, is he a warlock? Because I think he's more like uh more like a wizard. He learned these spells. Like Um We're gonna we're gonna talk a lot uh with with this uh between comic book Constantine, New 52 Constantine, and TV show Constantine, because there's there's some very important differences. I would say I think Constantine is still a warlock because I think he made deals to get his magic. That's Although fair. the show doesn't stress. Oh, wait, no. In the show, we see him learning to do a spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's doing like that naked blood dance. But mm-hmm. that could have been him, him making a deal with someone. I don't know. That looked pretty. Uh, it didn't look like he was like, like studying. Well, it, it looked, looked like, like he, he covered was, himself in blood and was doing like a dance. It looked like he was doing an experiment. It seemed like to me. I don't. Okay, we'll, well get he to that. Talks, we'll, get to he that. Uses, we'll get to that. He talks about okay. the one time about like the spells that have consequences, and it's like that feels pretty warlocky. That a, a wizard, yeah, I don't he, feel a wizard like he, takes in information and then turns it into magical energy. A warlock like has to give up a bit of themselves. Yeah, to use the hand of glory, he made a deal and like offered up a few days of his life. Yeah, mm-hmm. he could be multi-class. Warlocks, warlocks are sexier. Anyway. Let's talk. Let's talk. About- <laughs> I think he's multi-class in the show. I think he's got a couple levels of wizard and a couple levels of warlock. But anyway, sorcerer, maybe? No, I don't think he was born with this shit. Oh, that's fair. Let's talk about this show. All right, right. Evan, tell us about what's this show about? One, two, and three. This this show. So we open with our boy 
our boy John Constantine, Johnny Connie. Um, <laughs> he's uh, every Hellblazer fan just turned off our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> every hardcore Hellblazer fanboy who found us, like, oh, they're going to talk about Constantine, was just like, fuck this. Um, okay. John Constantine, uh, he's in a mental hospital and, uh, he is in this mental hospital because he, uh, did an exorcism and it didn't go right and he accidentally damned some little girl to hell and also by consequence, cause he screwed up, damned himself to hell. Um, he... He deals with a demon situation happening at the mental hospital and then is like, well, I guess I'm uh, going back to this demoning thing now. So, yeah, he gets his groove back, I guess. <laughs> uh, he, he goes out and he finds this, uh, this girl, Liv is her name. This, this demon incident in the, the hospital, like, gave him some hint about how to find her. And, um, this, this girl has magical powers. She can, like, predict where demons are gonna do bad shit. There's a whole backstory where, like, Constantine knew her dad and stuff. So this, uh, this, this girl, who's a grown woman, um, is being stalked by a demon, and Constantine's like, all right, I'm gonna help you with your demon situation. I'm gonna get my buddy from this college or whatever, and we're gonna go up on this roof and uh, we're going to get this demon to stop following you. And so they do, and they succeed, and she goes away forever then and just leaves him a map with, uh, like, blood on it to indicate where other demon shit is going to happen, which is a handy thing to have for a very episodic show. Also, uh, an angel turns up right at the end, and he's like, oh, you know how you, like, fucked up that that exorcism, and now you're going to hell. Um, if you do a bunch of bitch work for us, you don't have to go to hell now, but you gotta do a lot of bitch work. And he's like, I guess. Episode 2 is called The Darkness Beneath. Remember that handy scrying map that the girl left him and then just disappeared? Yeah, he's got that, and he's like, ah, look, this dot's in, uh, Pennsylvania. Let's go to Pennsylvania. And so he goes to Pennsylvania, and he runs into this woman who's like, I've had dreams about you and visions, and uh, I drew pictures of you. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And she starts following him around. Turns, around, turns out in this town in Pennsylvania, this dude who runs a mine got burned to death in the shower. And all the miners are like, ooh, there's something creepy down in the mines. We dug too greedily and too deep. And <laughs> I, I do love that Constantine's first theory about what it might be is a dragon. Mm-hmm. Turns out mm-hmm. not to be a dragon, which is a bummer. But yeah. would have been dope to have had him would, a dragon. Would have been dope. Or a Balrog. But he he learns from the, the miners that this, uh, like, that another uh, dude has been killed by the mysterious burning to death outside of the mine. And they're all, um, they're all head guys in charge. Like all the regular laborers have been hearing creepy noises down in the mines, but only the guys in charge are dying. He has, you know, arcane knowledge. And he's like, Oh yeah, it's these like spirits that live in mines and warn miners of disasters. 
uh, and like it's killing the the head guys in charge because they're not normally violent spirits, but like the head guys in charge are greedy and making all these guys work themselves to death in dangerous conditions, basically. They figure out that, in fact, that's not quite it. One of the head guy in charge, the foreman's, his wife is like... <laughs> She's like a Romani sorcerer, which is really racist. Like, she's doing mad... She she summoned these uh, mind spirits specifically to, like, kill her husband and make it, you know, look like it was going after all of the guys in charge so that she wouldn't be suspected. Also, that uh, that psychic girl was, like, helping this whole time, but she was just barely involved in the story. Episode three is called The Devil's Vinyl, which <laughs> sounds like something that it's not. <laughs> um, so in Chicago, this lady finds this, uh, this like gramophone record in like walled up in a abandoned building or whatever. And uh, she lets her friend listen to it and he like goes crazy and like stabs himself in the ear. And she's like, oh shit. And then she, for some reason, keeps it in her house where her child is. John Constantine, because this psychic girl, whose name is Zed from the previous episode, like, is helping him find things and track people with her psychic powers now. Um, like, she's tagging along. So they go to Chicago and they, they hear about this whole thing. And it, it's like, uh, a record that was recorded by someone who had made a deal with the devil for, like, extra good musical powers, which is, like, a trope that happens. John's after this thing to try to get, keep it away from bad people, and then also a bunch of bad people are after it, because power! Bad people are always after power! This fellow called Papa Midnight from the comic turns up, and he's like, I want that record, that's a cool thing that I want, I'm gonna send all my henchmen after it. This dude's like a voodoo priest and stuff. He's uh, trying to get his sister's soul back from hell, uh, and he's going to, like, swap it for her. That's his motive, but he's, like, very willing to kill John Constantine to do this. Ultimately, John Constantine puts in some earbuds and, like, sends the thing back to hell while it's playing, and Papa Midnight's all mad, and he's like... I'm gonna get you now, guy, because you ruined my chance to get my sister out of hell, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice. <laughs> uh, so we watched these three episodes that Evan so succinctly just uh, just ran us through, and... Sorry, that was extremely not succinct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we watched these three episodes... Uh, and we're going to talk in a little bit about like our familiarity with the IP and Hellraiser and John Constantine and all Wait, that stuff. It's, you said it's it wrong, not, so you're definitely Hellraiser. Hellblazer. Hellraiser is a different thing. Yeah. Hell, Hellblazer. Hellblazer. Yeah. It's because he wears a Blazer, jacket. not laser or razor. Right. Blazer, um, like pot. Or like my high school mascot. That. We or can college, talk about college mascot. whether or not this show is working for us. All three episodes. Uh, Andy. Yeah. These three episodes of Constantine. Did they work for you? Eh, they're okay. That was very noncommittal. You gotta... Yeah. 
I'm, uh, I'm feeling like the river on this. Eh, they're okay. <laughs> but, I mean, with the river, you started out, like, real hype about it. I did it. start out real hyped about the river. Yeah. Um, these three episodes are, eh. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. These three episodes of NBC's Constantine. Uh, did they work for you? Uh, you know... They're, they're not, they're not great, but they are really in my wheelhouse as, as far as subject matter. So I'm going to give them a yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a just, just getting by though, because there are definitely some problems, but I'm still having fun watching it. So I'm going to say yeah. What about you, Ronnie? These three episodes working for you? Yes. They, they really are. Um, I forgot. I, so I, I was writing about this show back when I ran the, uh, it's cool to me. Damn it. Blog. Nice. Um, this was part of my weekly TV roundup. And I think I watched like the first three episodes before I got tired of writing that weekly, uh, uh, blog. Um, and I forgot how spooky scary it is. And typically spooky, spooky, scary is not my thing as we've talked about a bunch. But uh, something about the mysticism and uh, Matt Smith, who plays John Constantine, just Matt like Ryan. his Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan. Sorry, Matt Smith um, was Doctor Who. Yes. Well, I was thinking it was funny that they were the same. Um, <laughs> yeah, Matt Ryan, um, just like kind of his way of ushering me through it. I feel safe and I feel sarcastic. And he kills it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He's one of my strong positives. Yes, terrific, terrific performance. Uh, it's it is firmly working for me. I, I'm enjoying all the bits. There are some bits that are problematic, and we can talk about those. But for the most part, I am really having fun and enjoying this show. It is fun for for whatever else is wrong with it. It's certainly fun to watch. Yeah. All right, let's talk about good stuff. Well, let's talk about what a uh, who who's who's this Constantine? Who's Who's this uh, trench coat clad warlock that's upon my TV screen? Where's he come from? So, uh, Constantine first appeared in Swamp Thing. I think it was like issue 52. Uh, like way back in, in the day. We're talking like uh, late 70s, early 80s, like that, that era. Um, he's created by Alan Moore, who is a very weird, strange man. Uh, but for the most part, wrote some real good comics. Um, and when he got his own series, Hellblazer, it, uh, I believe has the record for longest consecutive, like, series ever. It went, I think, over 300 issues. Like, it went for an absurdly long-ass time. Uh, in Hellblazer, Constantine is, uh, more of a con man than anything else. Like, he really doesn't have magic powers like much at all he's just really good at like tricking people and lying to people and occasionally like stealing maybe something that has some magic in it like he's very low powered in hellblazer but he kind of knows some shit about some demons and stuff yeah so like, it sounds like, like he knows what he's, he's talking about he's real smart and he's real clever and he's real selfish and like those three things together he's able to do and get away with a ton more shit than like 
any normal-ass person has any right to. Uh, with the New 52, Constantine did not, like, get out unscathed in that, uh, and they powered him up a whole lot. He's, he's definitely, like, a full-fledged warlock in the New 52. Um, while the New 52 had some questionable shit in it, um, I, I, I did like a lot of the Constantine stuff in it. Um, and then... In the relaunch, because DC's got to reboot every five years, uh, what was it called? It wasn't Brightest Day. It was... Um, Rebirth? Yes, thank you, Rebirth. In Rebirth, uh, they restarted the, the Hellblazer series, and uh, Constantine's very sexy in it. He's got one of those like long on top, short on the sides haircuts. It looks very good on him. And... Um, He's a lot more true to the original Hellblazer Constantine, but still has a bit more power to him. Also, he's bisexual. Yeah, he's he's very, very bisexual. Canon, he has, canon queer. He has sex with lots of dudes. Mm-hmm. And women. And probably some demons. But, you know. The man's not, the man's not uh, discerning. No. He, he uh... He does have, he is a bit of a sad gay trope in that, like, anyone Constantine, like, befriends with or fucks, like, ends up dying, like, horribly. Uh, so that's a bit of, um, a bit of a bummer, but I don't think it's necessarily, um, because he's bisexual that it happens. It just happens because Constantine is a very bad person. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. And that certainly covers over into the series where, He's kind of really fits into that difficult man trope of mm-hmm. just kind of like, I just get things done and I'm a reluctant hero and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Matt, Matt Ryan really, really kills it. Yeah. Um, oh, it's tremendous. Yeah. Let's, have, let's launch into what works and just start with that. Matt Ryan destroys this part. Well, well, real quick. Do you or Evan have any familiarity with Constantine outside of this show? Have um, you seen the movie at least? I have read... Uh, the first half of Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. Good shit. And he's in that. I've not finished it, regrettably. Just, that just, it just happened that way. I couldn't get the next couple of copies used, so I dropped off. He's in that. Uh, he's, you know, uh, as I recall, he's vocally bisexual in that. Um, but he's not a, a primary character. He sort of flits in and out. Um, I have seen... The movie with Keanu Reeves, which I know is not, like, canon. It's, it's, it's not it's a good like, Constantine movie, but it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, it's an I movie. Like, it's a very fun by movie. By itself. Yeah, so I'm familiar I, with the character in a kind of peripheral way. I, uh, I saw bits and pieces of uh, Constantine with Keanu Reeves, and... If I need to state it one more time, not a horror fan, and there were some bits and pieces that I saw that made me very scared and very uncomfortable, and so I did. I never sought it out once I realized it was a uh, a comics property uh, mm-hmm. to watch in length. So this is this is I've watched again a couple of these episodes before um, when the show was on the air, but that was my first introduction to John Constantine as a character. I would recommend the movie if you've got two hours to kill. It's really not bad. Yeah. Uh, the angel who plays Gabriel in it. Fuck. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, just so good. 
Also, mm. um, Rachel Weiss is in it, and I fucking mm. love her. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a fun great. movie. Mm-hmm. I'll check um, it out. I've read a chunk of Hellblazer. Uh, I have not read all of it because y'all, three hundred comics is it's a fucking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a good bit of the like New Fifty Two stuff with Constantine, and um, thought it was fun. I really liked Nick Necro as a villain, um, and like. Y'all like Hellblazer purists. I know, I know it's not as good, but like, chill, let people enjoy shit. It was fun. And, um, I liked what I read from, um, uh, the relaunch, the newest one, but, uh, that like was happening like as I came out and like had no money. So I have not <laughs> like read, read much, uh, recently. But, uh, I'm a huge fan of the character. Uh, I was cosplaying him. Back in like 2014, so like well before this show or um, his appearance in other stuff like made him popular again Um, because I'm a hipster. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I love Constantine. He's one of my favorite comics characters and I think he's a ton of fun. Um, I have a Heroclix team with him that's amazing. It pisses people off. It's great. Good shit. So... Let's jump right on in here and talk about, you know, what what works for us about these three episodes. We've already talked about Matt Ryan and how great he is. We can expound upon that or keep he's going. So but good. What, yeah, let's what talk works. about Matt Ryan. Let's do it. <clears throat> One, he's very attractive. He is he is a good yes. looking man. He's got an interesting face too. You know, some people are like very conventionally attractive where they're so bland as to almost be imperceptible. But he's got a he's got a good interesting face. It's very angular. Yeah. yeah. He has a very um dangerous aura about him when he's portraying Constantine, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Yes. Mm-hmm. He yes. really he really feels like if you were getting up from your seat in a cafe and you saw him there, you'd take your laptop with you to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's and, a, that's and a, a cross, phrasing it. And a chain made out of garlic and some holy water. <laughs> I'm not saying he feels like a vampire, but like... I'm saying, though. I'm not oh, worried you, about him you're stealing saying. stuff. Okay. Yeah, he, he's those, those eyes of just like... It's because he's like trying to be hyper-vigilant in every scene, but it just appears like, ooh, this dude... This dude wants to suck my blood. <laughs> what What's great about how, like, Matt Ryan delivers lines about not wanting to get into exposition, because, like, uh, I don't even remember the girl's name from the first episode, but then Zed, when they ask him, like, questions about, like, the supernatural, and Matt Ryan gives them, like, a non-answer, it doesn't feel like it's because the writers didn't want to write it, it feels like just Constantine doesn't want to tell them because he's a dick. Yeah. yeah. And that's Like, great. he cannot even be bothered to explain this shit to these plebs, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel like that's the parts where this show really excels is when it's just like, like, there, there's parts where he does explain a little bit and you miss that. You miss the, just let it be mysterious. Let it be mysterious. Let it be like, there's a lot of things that you're not going to tell us and, and move on. And, and they they really, str- they started that from the beginning 
um, and really hit that chord so that we expect it and it's it's comfortable instead of being forced throughout the series. Yeah, I do hate it when shows like over explain shit. It's mm-hmm. like everybody's so allergic to having plot holes shouted at them now yeah. that they they try to like, oh, well, the engine, the proton works like this and the magic works like this. And these are this is the equivalency of blood to whatever. And you don't need that. It's not good storytelling. It's, it's perfectly as long as the audience understands enough. That what's going on it's magic. Feels, feels like it means something. You know what I mean? If it's if it's out of nowhere and it's incongruous with the rest of the story, that needs explaining. But if if it is well integrated into the story and serves the story, you don't need to explain every little thing that's happening. We can just accept that this is a convention of this world that we're traveling through right now, you know? I love yeah. Chaz's uh, taxi. Yeah. It's a very good taxi. Mm-hmm. Um, Chaz was portrayed by Shia LaBeouf in the movie. Uh, they went a very different route for the TV mm. show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A uh, bit more in line with the comics, even though Chaz is now like big and sexy. He's like a lumberjack in this. Yeah. He's got, he's got some muscles. Um, I like the the sort of laws of magic in this universe that they've established. Uh, Andy pointed out as we were watching that, like, oh, I think he's used components for every spell that he's had. He's he's used some chalk or some water or something to craft whatever he's crafting, and then he does his weird chant, and then something happens. And often it's something that's like kind of subtle, like that thing with the water I particularly liked. That was in episode two, where he was in this abandoned church and he was trying to find a ghosty or a spirit or a demon or something. And he had like this beat up canteen full of water and he put some blood in it and shook it up a lot. And he like did weird circle hand motions and then he chanted and he like poured the water in front of his face. And as he was looking through the water, he could like see a distorted image of a figure in front of him. And I thought that was real cool. I thought it was uh, visually interesting and just made it seem like magic was work in this universe, Mm -hmm. you know, which... Is, is a lot cooler than just snapping your fingers and, like, having something happen. Nothing should ever come easy to Constantine. Like, that is a key part of the character, is that he should always be going uphill, and nothing should ever, ever be easy for him. And so I do like that when he casts in this, it, it does require, uh, like, either very powerful, like, relics or aids, like the Hand of Glory... And he then has to, like, give up part of himself or that it's, like, a ton of, like, drawing paint on the ground for fucking 45 minutes. Gotta get all these little fucking candles. Uh, mm-hmm. And shit. I like that. I I agree with Evan. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are bits where this reminds me a little bit of Doctor Who. They're in a situation and the doctor is in total control and the doctor will get him out of it. Mm-hmm. I feel... Like, Constantine will always get them out of it, but not because of 
what Constantine's plan A was. It's like yeah. plan B, plan C, plan D. Oh shit, this is going bad. What are we going to do now? Like it, it's, it's all because it kind of comes together, not because he's put the pieces together. Yeah, he ain't Sherlock Holmes. He's not a no. step ahead. No, he's he's a few steps behind and running very quickly to catch up. Uh, I also like the uh, Monster of the Week thing. The way it was set up was a little bit... We'll talk about that. But uh, I, I do like episodic shows. I like shows that you can drop into an episode and that they're self-contained. You get... Uh, a full bite-sized story from start to finish, and it's not something you have to hang into the drama for for the next five episodes to figure out what's going on. The motivation for these characters feels strong, um, and we kind of learn about it in spurts. Um, I haven't really thought about and grappled with the idea of John Constantine in a in a mental institution at the beginning and, and what that, you know, what that means, but I do like the idea of him starting out there because it doesn't feel like an origin story and it doesn't feel like we're joining him in media res when he's already like super powerful. We kind of get to learn a little bit about him slowly. That goes hand in hand with our exposition thing. And then even later, we find out when he does that there's a chance that he, he can save his soul. There, we watch a lot of shows where we're like, I don't understand why this character is doing this other than to advance the plot where it's very, you can very clearly see why Zed, why Constantine, why even Chaz, why they're doing these things to, you know, find these these monsters and hunt them down. Uh, also, props to the show for uh, not giving us a very anachronous mental hospital. I feel like every mental hospital you see in media, even if it's supposed to take place in the modern era, has like, straight jackets and shit mm -hmm. like granted there was like electroshock that, like, therapy well there was that yeah there was that that's what i'm saying but it was very clearly indicated in the scene and in the voiceover that he had like requested that specifically yeah like he, he was he's doing that because it's some like you know because he's self-harming essentially is why he's making them yeah. do electroshock therapy on him or he's like trying to wipe his memories or whatever it doesn't it's not i don't get the impression that that's a thing they're typically doing to people he had to he had to like get special permission from somebody but like in that mental hospital there was like an art room and they were doing like support groups where they were talking about mm -hmm. their uh um compulsive behaviors and stuff like that and like it you know, we were seeing this through Constantine's eyes and he was annoyed and bored with it because he's an asshole, right. but he's an asshole. You know, like, I'm just glad we didn't have like straight right. jackets and shit. No nurse. Ratchet. And I don't feel yeah, like, no he, nurse I don't ratchet. feel, I don't feel like he's making fun of it either. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, even, even in the scene with the therapist where he's not taking it seriously, he comes to the end of like the therapist says like, there's no such thing as demons. And Constantine's like, yeah, make me believe that. Like he is, he is there because he wants to be better. He feels mm -hmm. like he is broken and wants to be better. It's not as if he's doing this just because it's a big joke. Mm -hmm. um, I like the bit in the backstory about um, John failing at that exorcism. And like mm -hmm. it was John's pride that like lost that little girl. Even if it is kind of man painty, like 
the biggest theme in the Hellblazer series at the, is that like John doesn't get clean victories. Like even if John wins and beats the demon, it is going to cost him something personally. Uh, and usually it's going to like cost him big. Like John never gets to be happy. And that's very, very important to that, that book. It's not a happy book. Like John's not ever going to be a happy or feel good character. And, um, as much as I think that like in the legends of tomorrow show that they get other parts of Constantine's character, right. That shows very happy show and it's a very positive show. And I don't know if John really fits there. And I like that it's, it's shitty and dark here. Uh, and like John treats his friends like shit, which is good. Like he blackmails. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but <laughs> no, well, no, it's bad, but like, it's good. Yes. That's good. Constantine. Like he blackmails the nerdy hacker guy and treats him like garbage. Uh, I wish he was meaner to Chaz. He seems to like be really nice to Chaz. Uh, which, like, I guess they're bros, but still. Um, and he's a dick to Zed. You know, like, John should be using people and, like, taking advantage of them. And I, I, I like that they have that in this. I would like to segue off of the little girl thing into, if we, if we could... Does are, anybody are we getting have... ready for negatives? Yeah. Okay, I, I still have some positives. Okay, okay, I'll hold um, off. The smoking. So, John is a chain smoker. And uh, NBC would not let them show Matt Ryan smoking a cigarette. Uh, NBC was, like, very adamant that John was not allowed to smoke in the show. And so we see John exhaling smoke and then, like, putting out a cigarette. We see John holding a lighter in the cigarette and then putting them away. We see John, uh, like exhaling smoke and then tossing a cigarette out of his hands, but we never see him smoke. And I very much appreciate the cheeky way that they got around not being allowed to show Matt Ryan smoking. And I feel like that was very Constantine of the production company uh, <laughs> to like kind of give NBC the middle finger and be like, we will show him doing everything adjacent to smoking. We will just never have the cigarette in his mouth. And I think it was after the mid-season finale, they were allowed to show him smoking. Like, they finally convinced NBC to, like, pay whatever fine or whatever it was to, like, let this character smoke. I just, I think this show is really funny. And that's that's it largely in, thanks to Matt Ryan. But, like, I love a show like this that is ostensibly a comic book show, so it's very genre. It's a horror show. And it's hilarious. Like, I am, it's magical, it's mystical, it's funny, it's scary. Like, I, that, you know, there's a thing where if you try to be all things to all people, you end up being nothing to everybody. But this show hits it in a really good point where it's like, yeah, this show is a lot of things, but it's like not trying to overextend itself in any one category. And it's really, you know, riding that line pretty well. There's the, the line, at the uh, end of episode three, where Zed is kind of like taking control and she's like, all right, let's go. And I, I guess Chaz is something like, oh, so we just listen to her now. And John Constantine's like, yeah, but we don't got to jump every time she says something. And they just kind of stand around awkwardly for like four seconds. Like, all right, OK, now we can. Go. <laughs> I love like the very... running gag of um, Master of the Dark Arts to yeah. like 
occasional like <laughs> dabbler in yeah, the dark yeah, arts to, to like petty petty like yeah that's a good gag that's a very good yeah. running joke which is like back to what evan said like it's something where you don't have to watch this show uh serially you don't have to watch every episode but if you do there's little things that you're rewarded with like that like little running gags little jokes that you know can can make you say ah oh, that's cool I love how often Constantine talks about how great he is at magic when he's like putting on a show for people. Like when the angel first shows up and John's like, whoever you are, like I'm a big fucking deal. I'm a real nasty piece of work. And it's like, no, you're not John. Like you little shithead. Like you can barely do anything, but like they don't necessarily know that. There was also that excellent scene where he was dancing around covered in blood. Yes. Um, the, the, Chaz's line was like, oh, he's practicing a spell or something like he's learning, he's learning or practicing or, or or experimenting or something like that. But he was like naked, like fully naked. Of course, we didn't see any bits because that's how, that's how it do. But he's in this like cabin and he's covered in blood head to toe and he's like dancing around in a very weird, unflattering way and like chanting gibberish and like waving his arms and doing crazy eyes and um it just makes it it makes it difficult to take him seriously as any kind of a badass like even though he has a strong commanding presence when he's got his clothes on you when he's got to turn it on he can turn it on but otherwise he's yeah he's he looks sh- like he's lo- he looks like a big weird goober like in that moment so I love the cabin. I love the thing with the mirror where like it's yeah. out of time. The mirror is showing reflections from like 30 years ago. I love that. It's like weirdly bigger on the inside and uh, like Chaz doesn't understand it. I love all the secret hidden Easter eggs of DC shit that they put mm-hmm. in there. Like the helmet of fate. Um, oh, one fun bit too is with Zed. Uh, when we first see her drawing, Constantine at the end of episode one and then the start of episode two, they snuck in a ton of really famous Constantine covers in her art. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really neat. Like that was a great like homage to the comics. The show has a lot of great set pieces, a lot of good props. It reminds me of Dresden files, except that like the space that they get to play in, you can tell is more than just like the four by four space that Dresden files got to play in. Like, they're, they're giving them set to move around in, and, and you could really tell that they're able to control the space and move around it. Uh, ironically, Dresden in the books was much more of a, a wonky, magical loser man, like how Constantine is in this. So Constantine is almost what you could have got with Dresden Files if they'd been this- good. I mean, he's he's not so much of an asshole, Dresden isn't. He's... He's a more sensitive dude, but he's kind of the same, like, doesn't take good care of himself, smells bad, does magic, sort of a dude. Has cat. Has a cat, yeah. Um, any more positives before we go into negatives? No, let's jump on in. Let's jump on in. Do we want to talk and, about uh, the, the big one first, the very uncomfortable G in the wor- in the room? Yeah, yeah, let's 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 nail that cuz I was going to say let's talk about things that aren't quite working but this is a clear negative and this is a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, that racism though. The line that Constantine says is there's no magic darker than uh the G-word magic. 
And I was just like, oh, gross. God damn. This show came out in like 2016. Oh, no. Yeah, we knew better. We yeah. knew better by then, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very, uh, a, a, a very bad word, a slur for Romani people. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Come on, NBC. Yeah, we've learned. Come on. Come on. We're, we're moving on. Um, yeah, like, <sighs> that whole thing, that whole reveal at the end, I was just like, it's, it's just so needless. Uh, it's like, so it needless because yeah, it was she a can perfectly just be a witch. Good. She could just be a witch. And it was a perfectly good story without uh, like yeah. a woman antagonizing somebody. Like these spirits that are normally helpful spirits who are protecting minors have evolved and come to understand that they can only protect the miners by killing the bosses. That is a much that's, better story. That's a perfectly good, sound, rational story with even a little bit of a twist. Like, oh, there's these good spirits. What Then what's out there harming these dudes? It is the good spirits. They've become more self-aware. It's like, you know, when robots decide they have to kill all of humanity to protect them or something like that. But better than that and cleverer. Um, yeah, so it was a perfectly good story without that weird gotcha at the end. Um, and that is, it's reflective of, in general, uh, the women in this show are bad, which is not the women's fault. I mean, like, they're written very poorly. They're, they're very much tools and objects. The girl from the first episode, she showed up to make the handy demon activity map, and then she goes away. Also, she turned up because she was a victim in the first place. She was being chased by a demon, and Constantine had to save her or whatever, and then she gave him this handy map, and then she's gone, and that's it. Bye-bye. She was a bad actress, so I'm not terribly sad to see her go, but it it felt like bad writing. Well, I agree. I think she was focus-grouped out. I think that's why they got... You know, that was like the pilot, and I think they were like, ooh, okay, we gotta rethink. So they just swapped her out for Zed, who he meets abruptly at the beginning, or end of last, end of first episode, what was it? She is seen at the end of the first episode, but she is not, like, revealed who she is or what's going on until episode two. Yeah. So I think uh, after their focus group or whatever, they were just like, ugh, better change this direction. She has a bit more agency, but but, not much. But not much, yeah. Yeah. She's still just the handy psychic sidekick who's pointing them which direction to go. She's the the deus ex machina for whatever thing they need to find. Right. And It really seemed like when they kicked off her character and her powers that it was going to be like, I wrote in my notes, like, I want there to be like, a woman on this show who is strong and independent and has some magical powers and is not like the object to get hurt mm-hmm. to advance the plot. And the first way that we see her powers work is her like agonizing in pain with her first vision. And it's like, all right, here we go. And it seems like they stray away from that, but it's still a, just like such a like bad way to start it. She's got this like weird sexual tension with John, who keeps, like, snubbing her in funny ways. I'm not into it. The obvious, like, choice that this show should have used was Zatanna. Like, Zatanna in the Mm. the DC Comics is a very powerful uh, sorcerer and, like, a total badass and, like, doesn't take any of John's shit and, uh, like, 
it could have been like a buddy cop thing or something going on there with like good cop, bad cop or whatever. Uh, or they like they could have been rivals, like both trying to accomplish the same objective, but they have different uh, methods on how to do it, and they keep like running into each other. Because um, Zatanna is a good person and not awful like John. But yeah, I don't know why they went with Zed. Uh, seems like a strange choice. Yeah, you can definitely have a psychic female accomplice or associate who is a fully self-actualized character who is confident in her powers. But Zed seems like she's just figured out that she's psychic. And so she's chasing after John, like trying to get him to teach her how to do psychic stuff when she seems like a very powerful psychic already and doesn't necessarily need his help. But she's like, teach me what to do. I don't know how to do the psychic. Please help uh, why not have her just, like, already well-established in her psychic powers and be a resource and an aid without this dynamic of her being less than him? Like, he's the experienced one telling her what to do all the time, showing her how to do the psychic. Why is she not just a psychic who is confident in her powers and who can lend assistance when she decides she wants to, you know? Yeah. Between between Zed, between Liv, the girl from the first episode, and Astra, the young girl that uh, ends up yeah. being taken by the demon in, in John's backstory, it's like... Oh, John's it, mom. I hate... I hate the bit about John's mom. I hate it so much. I do not like... I do not like that John uh, is trying to, like meet his mom or some shit. It's it's dumb and bad. Yeah, the the thing with the little girl Astra was also just a man pain thing. We don't know. Like that was I mean, John yeah. John should have a tragic backstory. It should not be good. Yeah. It didn't need to be a little girl. It could have been a little boy. Like the fact that he lost a child, I'm fine like whatever. Yeah. The fact that it's a little girl on top of all the other terrible shit that have happened to women in this show so far and how like weak the women are in this show, I think is in poor taste. But yeah, I don't think it was an accident. That was a little girl either. I think it, even if this was subconscious or unintentional on the show writer's part, I think it was a little girl because that's more abhorrent than if it were a little boy. You and know, that's fucked yeah. up. Yeah, like the yep. it's it has a greater emotional impact because gasp, we must shelter our girls. And again, I don't think that was deliberate. I don't think they sat in like a conference room and said, "Yeah, it should really be a little girl because women are weak and shit." But I think they made that executive decision because they were informed by a bias. You know, right. And, and and here's the thing. They clearly did not sit in a conference room and say, what are the implications of it being a girl? Yeah. Like they didn't they didn't have the opposite conversation of like, what if it was something different? What if we bucked this trope that has been harmful for all these years? They didn't have that conversation. So and again, um, like, I think John should have a tragic backstory. I'm fine that like a child died because of his hubris. I hate the idea that. John killed his mom in childbirth 
and started trying to learn magic so that he could talk to her. That That is not... That doesn't feel true to who Constantine is, and that doesn't feel true to Hellblazer. And um, I just, I don't, I don't like it in the show. You did posit that he might be lying. That might I be a did. So I, I did posit while we were watching it that like, oh, he could just be lying to her to like take advantage of her. Because John's the sort of person that would just make shit up and just lie about a tragic backstory that he thinks is going to connect to someone. Um, and I had to do that a few times when we were watching, like, there's a moment where in the second episode, they're going to blow up the mine and John like gives the remote to this priest that they've like befriended. And for a second, I was like, why is he having the priest blow up the mine? Like, I don't think John would want anyone to see him like commit what is definitely a felony. And then I was like, oh, he's, he's going to frame that guy. Yeah, his fingerprints are on the are on the now. detonator now. Yeah, like John's just framing that guy, and that's ways for me as a Constantine fan to like get around when the writing isn't, in my opinion, like true to form. But mm-hmm. I don't think that was intentional. I don't think no. like Constantine on the show is planning to frame that guy. But in my heart, Constantine yeah. just had that dude there and had that guy press the button. So he could frame him. I I think that works for like an HBO show or a Showtime show to have like such a difficult character. But on an NBC show, you need you need some redemption. You need to like have like soft, sweet feelings for this protagonist. Um, As much as I agree with you and I wish that everything was probably like not the way that the honest truth John is sharing it. I think it probably is. Other than that, I don't really have any any bad things to say about it. Yeah, uh, I do feel like I've got to be a little bit hard on this show for, like, treating women like shit and, yes. like, making that one particular racist comment. Because it was made pretty recently. It's not like yes. it's from the early 2000s and we... I mean, even then there was no excuse, but... We certainly know we've been alive since then and have seen cultural shifts happen and we've seen shows do better. You know, we've yeah. seen modern shows do much better than this, uh, right. handling female characters and things like that. So, uh, no, it's certainly not the worst of the worst out there. Uh, it has a lot of the problems that a lot of shows have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I still think I still think it's a good show. I, I yeah. still have been enjoying watching it. I just, oh, I wish, I wish they were doing better. So yeah, that's uh, that's the first three episodes, of Constantine. Um, I'm excited to keep watching it. Um, it was, you know, a little bit difficult for me, and that's that doesn't happen often for me to like not just watch the next episode. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll dip back in next week and, and see what else the, there is to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's hang out with this angry boy some more. Yeah. I really um, hope that there's not more demons. I don't like that. Like in the movie and in the show, he talks about being an exorcist so much. Mm-hmm. So that's that my hope moving forward. I hope that it's not like, oh, here comes another demon. We will see. We will see. Um, fun, fun times, cool stuff. We got an iTunes review. 
Oh, nice. <gasps> oh, yeah. boy. We got an uh, iTunes review titled Heckin' Hilarious. Hell that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's uh, five stars from uh, Sarah Addicted. Sarah Addicted writes, I am only about 11 episodes in and I've already queued the rest of them onto my listening list. Aww. These, these three are absolutely hilarious. They have interesting insights into failed television programs and I love their signature sign-off. You are seriously doing yourself a disservice if you do not listen to this program. Oh, shucks. That's nice. That's so nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we know that person either. That's just a person. No. I don't know anybody with that screen name, so... I don't think I do. I mean, yeah. I mean even anyone that, like, we're friends with, they say that, like, they started... Obsessively, I think that means they started episode one and had listened to 11 episodes straight. I, like... I got good friends. I don't know that my good friends are doing that. So like, <laughs> we we love ex- this, Sarah. Ex- you're, you're a great. I'm excited. Sarah. This is the true blue fan of uh, of ending pending. You're part of the family Thank- now. Coming for Cerny's crown. Yeah, coming. You can coming live at for our house. Cerny, where you been? I'm just kidding, Cerny. Cer- Cerny's no still out there. Cerny, no one will ever take your crown. You're number one no. in my heart. He's the he's the um, platinum jade knight of of ending pending. Cerny's going to come back at the end of the sequel and be like, would you miss me? And it's just going to like crash to credits. Surprise, bitch. He's going to show up like Mark Wahlberg at the end of The Departed and everyone forgot he was in that movie. And then he's just going to kill everyone that's still alive. Yeah, I hope Cerny doesn't kill people, though, especially our listeners. Um, Um, I mean, he is a knight. I'm, I'm presuming he can do some violence if he has to. Yeah, that's fair. But him and Sarah are going to team up. They'll do that thing where they're like back to back. Mm-hmm. Sir and Sarah. Anywho. So thank you so much, Sarah Addicted, for uh, sending in a review. Uh, please send in reviews uh, on iTunes, ending pending on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at PendingPod. Follow us on Instagram at EndingPending. Follow us on Facebook at PendingPod. Send us an email at PendingPod at gmail.com. And of course, as always, we want to lift up uh, the Lunar Light Studio family of podcasts. Great podcasts on there, like uh, What You Call It and Ink Tank and uh, what are some other ones? Netflix and Kill. Netflix and Kill. Uh, Cryptid Keeper. Tin Pan Diddly Doo. The Bad Tin- The Good Boys Girls. The Bad, the bad Boys Girls. <laughs> oh. uh, you can find out uh, more about the podcast on the Lunar Light Studio Network. LunarLightStudio.com. Um, Lunar Light Studio has also started up a Patreon. So if you want to contribute to that, that helps out our podcast, that helps out the network, that helps out all the other podcasts. Uh, there's some good donation levels you can choose from. Uh, head over there at patreon.com slash lunar light HQ. Yeah, good um, shit, good shit. Give them all your all money so they can give us your money. Yeah. Um, so next week we will be covering episodes uh, four, five, and six of Constantine. And uh, until then, you you know what to do. Or rather, you know what to not do. Don't tell Pawn Shop Lou. Yeah, don't, don't tell him. Don't tell Pawn Shop Lou. Are you, did you say to tell him? No, I said don't tell him. Oh, yeah, don't tell Pawn Shop Lou. Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay. Mm.